Blog Talk Radio. This is a monthly solutions-oriented talk radio show. Each month, we dedicate about 30 minutes to explore contemporary issues and solutions in education leadership, and this is your host, Brian Perkins. Uh, this month, uh, our guest is Dr. Ellie Drago-Severson. Uh, Dr. Drago-Severson is a professor of education leadership and adult learning and leadership at Teachers College, Columbia University. Uh, welcome, Ellie. Thank you so much, Brian, and thanks so much for inviting me. I'm so honored to be here. Well, glad to have you. Um, Ellie is a developmental psychologist, and she teaches, conducts research, does consulting all over the world um, to district leaders, teachers, coaches, and organizations on professional and uh, personal growth and learning. Um, Ellie, um, to I have to make a confession is Ellie is one of my colleagues uh, in my department at uh, Teachers College, and um, I am so honored also to have you on the show, Ellie. Um, we, <laughs> every, every, uh, it's, it's um, such a pleasure to be able to be around such a distinguished and um, uh, bright, intelligent group um, on a regular basis in our, in our faculty. And so, um, I, I'm just sharing a little bit of, of that with my, the audience today. Um, to our faithful okay. listeners, uh, welcome back, and thank you for being a part of our family of over 5,000 listeners every month. And to new listeners, glad that uh, we were able to have you and that you've joined us. Um, today, we're going to discuss um, Ellie's work and her research and, and so many publications that she has on adult learning um, and but today we're going to focus specifically on giving feedback to educators. But as a, a kind of warm up, what I'd like to do is, um, you know, I said um, Ellie works also with a group in adult learning, and I know for some they may go, well, what does that mean exactly? Um, I know initially for me when I first uh, joined um, uh, the faculty, um, I, I wanted to know a lot more about. Um, just exactly what happens, and from a, a developmental approach uh, with with uh, adults, uh, can you tell us uh, just a little bit about what adult learning is and what's different? What you know, uh, I'm sure there are people out there saying, "What's the difference between the way children learn and the way adults learn?" Can you can you uh, tell us a little bit about that? Uh huh. Thanks for the question, and thanks again for inviting me on. Delighted to be here. So adults actually can continue to grow throughout their lives, provided that they have, you know, the opportunity to benefit from the appropriate kinds of support and stretching. And what a lot of us, you know, really are growing to consider more and more is that just in the same way we differentiate for children, we also need to differentiate the kinds of supports and the kinds of stretching 
that we offer to adults in our care. Um, my colleague, Jessica Bloom Stefano and I are, you know, so grateful that we had the opportunity to publish this book, which is all about feedback, which is one of the primary ways in which we grow. So to get to your really thoughtful question, Brian, um, so adults can learn, um, you know, we can take classes, we can grow the amount of knowledge, skills, and information that we carry around with us in our hearts and minds. Um, I refer to that as informing the self, the vessel, the mind, the heart. But in this book and in our other works, we, we make an important distinction between learning facts and skills, which arguably are really important in the 21st century as we live in this age of the new normal, but those are not enough to handle the kinds of challenges that school leaders across all levels face every single day. I have goosebumps when I say that because it's so true. Things that are adaptive challenges where we cannot necessarily hire someone to help us fix a problem. These kinds of things and feedback could be considered under that umbrella um, have to do with how can we actually help adults grow on the inside? Mm-hmm. How do we do that? How do we help them grow their cognitive, their emotional, their interpersonal, the way they relate to each other, and their intrapersonal, the way we can see inside of ourselves? So the difference is that we refer to that as growth or transformational learning because it's actually changing the way we take in information. And the link here is that those kinds of challenges, the new normal where teaming and collaboration and feedback are part of the air we breathe. You know, I work a lot with people outside and inside of education. And whether I'm working with people who are in the business field or who are in K through 12 schools or at the district level or organizations, people say to me consistently, Teaming is so hard. Oftentimes, they'll call me in and they'll say that, you know, what they'd like to learn about, they'll call my colleague Jessica and I in, what they'd like to learn about is they'd like to learn about feedback. And then oftentimes, the team leader will say, you know, we, we actually really have a trust problem here. We have a little trust problem. Um, And so how does that all relate? It all relates because feedback is one of the primary ways in which we grow. It's in what we say. It's in what we don't say. I was working with a group of leaders recently, and this one woman said, feedback is everywhere. And that is so true. And the link here is um, that, you know, the connection to development is that, that really important phrase that I mentioned up front about the need to differentiate. We cannot give feedback the same way to everyone in our care because they cannot take it in. And just a a skinny sketch here. um, Mm -hmm. So adults have different ways of making sense of their experience of taking it in. So for some people, which we call instrumental knowers. This is a structure of mind. It's not a personality type. It's not like the Myers-Briggs. It's a different Mm -hmm. lens that we can use to understand how people need to 
to take in feedback, how they make sense of it. So for instrumental knowers, what do they want when they're having a feedback conversation after an evaluation or an observation? They need to know immediately what they did right and what they did wrong because the way that they construct reality is that there are right ways to do things and there are wrong ways. And in their mind, if they do things the right way, then they're going to get some kind of a reward. Sure. Um, and so what you're saying, I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just want to, so what you're saying is, is that it's important for someone who's giving feedback to an instrumental knower to understand that it's crucial in terms of their feeling uh, uh, in some ways appreciated or even valued in the organization. The kind of feedback, the way you're giving them feedback is consistent with what they need. Is that, is that accurate? That is so accurate, beautiful summary. Um, and what, what is you know, really important is just what you said and the need to be able to understand that that's what an instrumental knower needs. But then there's a large group of adults who make meaning in a different way. They, they've grown to have more reflective internal capacities. And what, what matters most to them when getting feedback is that they feel like you still value them as a person. So you wouldn't sure. want to go into a feedback conversation and immediately give direct, specific, focused feedback to a socializing knower. They need a different kind of a warm-up. In our book, we talk a lot about the strategies that leaders across all levels, superintendents, district level, principals, assistant principals, and teachers across all levels in addition to outside of the domain of education need to think about before giving feedback. What do you do? How do you differentiate for someone mm. who's an instrumental knower, a socializing knower, a self-authoring knower? Um, and I know you probably want to say something, Brian. What do yes, you do no, before no. giving yeah. feedback? What are the strategies that you use to meet people where they are when you're giving feedback? And what do you do to follow up on feedback so that it's not a one-shot you know, experience? So that one of the things that we talk about is how do you build cultures within organizations, within schools, within teams? You know, I started to say earlier that teaming is so hard. It's so hard to be a good team member. And people within education and outside of education constantly are calling me in to help them to grow their team. Giving sure. feedback is a primary way in which we can grow. And yet, where do we learn to give feedback? I mean, Jessica and I, um, my co-author, we deliver, we facilitate feedback institutes at Teachers College, Columbia University. And one of the things that really struck us very recently when we were facilitating is that we actually asked people in the room to think about a time when they received feedback that they found meaningful, helpful, and actionable. Mm. And to think about who gave it to them. What was it about what was said, not said? What kind of relationship did they have with the person? And when was that? What enabled them to act on feedback? You know, and, you know, there were, there were the, in these institutes, there are people not just from education, principals, teacher leaders, coaches, but also people from higher ed and business and consultants. 
And what was stunning to us is that for many of the people in the room, this principal who had been principaling for like 18 years, for her, she shared the story about the last time she had gotten feedback that she considered really helpful and good was when she was student teaching. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's, mm-hmm. And that, mm-hmm. we know that was a pretty long time since you said, you know, yes. 18 years as a principal, um, not to mention the time that she was, uh, she was, she was teaching, you know, something just came to mind as you talked and thank you so much for sharing uh, those components of, um, of, of your framework. Um, I, 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 I've thought about at times when trying to give feedback and, um, and, and remain objective. And I know one of the strategies that you point out in your book, and I think you have 10 strategies um, in your book. Um, and by the way, to those of you who are listening, um, uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you, it, uh, Ellie has a number of books and um, around uh, feedback. And this one, uh, for me, really struck a chord on a number of places. And so I highly recommend it, particularly to individuals that are supervising um, uh, people um, in, in, in a variety of settings. I, it's highly recommended. Um, and um, I, I thought about where you have one of your strategies about keep feedback objective and non-judgmental, and I've struggled with that at times um, with the practice of kind of the non-judgmental point uh, component is that in some mm-hmm. cases um, that just you know just trying to get people to receive that I'm, I'm in a position where. I need to say whether or not this is working or whether or not it is effective or, I mean, you know, just some kind so that where my level of expertise is such that um, to make a, an assessment of that. And so I, I know that I've struggled with that is just kind of on its mm-hmm. face, objective and non-judgmental. So, um mm-hmm. You, I mean, just you. I'm sure there are other people that struggle as I do with that. Can you, can you mm-hmm. give me some help with how, what does that look like from your standpoint of implementing your your third strategy? Keep feedback objective mm-hmm. and non judgmental. Uh huh. I'm so glad that you brought that up, Brian. Thanks so much. Um, so one of the things that uh, Jessica and I did when we wrote this book is we did an in depth exploration of what are the things that the literature in both the education world and the business world have in common in terms of what do they name as best practices for giving feedback. And so they name things like, um, you know, give, give focused feedback, give concrete feedback, provide opportunities to re- reflect and respond. Um, Make sure that feedback is regular and ongoing and um, be objective and non-judgmental to the strategy that you're talking about. And the thing is, um, is that it's really not possible to be completely objective and non-judgmental. We are constantly judging. We are constantly subjective. Our okay. feedback, um, the, the point that we're trying to make here is the importance of avoiding assumptions. You know, you ever see someone do something and you think to yourself, huh, 
I know why you did that. And, and we're, we just assume immediately that we know why someone is doing what they're doing. But underneath that, inside of the person, they may be doing something that on behalf of something else, only we don't see that other part. We only see the behavior. So one of the key things that we're advocating for is the importance of avoiding assumptions and judgments and actually asking questions so that we can understand why someone did what he, she, or they did. Mm. We talk a lot in, in the book about the difference between constructive feedback and inquiry-oriented feedback, and we created uh. a continuum. Both are very, very important, and both serve different purposes. What's really important is sometimes we need to give constructive feedback, like it's directive, it's one way, we need you to change the behavior, and this is what we're asking you to do. Other times, we give feedback where we are seeking to ask questions to help us understand why someone did what they were doing when they were on that team or, or talking to a student in a particular way or working with colleagues, and whatever they said, we heard, but what we want to do is we want to understand how they made sense of it. And there's a lot in between. What's really important is to be clear when we're giving constructive feedback and when we're giving inquiry-oriented feedback, because problems come into play when sometimes people are trying to give inquiry-oriented feedback, trying to understand how someone's making meaning, but really... What, they're, what they are actually doing is they're not really listening. <laughs> you know, they are, they are giving constructive feedback. Um, one, one of the funny things that happened when we were writing this book, Tell Me So I Can Hear You, is that our editor, when she, you know, when she first started receiving chapters from us, she kept wondering out loud, why are you two talking so much about <laughs> listening and this is a book about fear. That's something that I would love to just underline for our listeners today um, is, as we all know, listening is a developmental support. Um, and that in giving feedback, we first need to understand how someone is making sense of their experience and what they need from us. Even asking someone about a time when they got feedback that they felt was actionable you know, many people say to me, you know what, one of my biggest le- learnings as a school leader is that I used to give feedback the same way to everyone, just the way I like to get it, straight to the point and no sugar coating. And I'm just <laughs> thinking of this principle that I coach, you know, and he said he learned that that didn't work. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, it just listening, I really appreciate uh, the the advice you're offering here, and um, something came to mind, and I'm not sure if this is considered feedback, but I'd like to get your opinion on something, is that I I recalled as you were talking a situation I was in, um, and um, one of my colleagues that I had supervised, I um, I had just brought on two new uh, faculty members, and um, I I called her in, and you know it, it really it wasn't it wasn't a an attempt to give any kind of uh, feedback in terms of saying you know you, you're not doing this well or that well. 
it was in fact the opposite to one, thank her first for all the things that she had been doing while we were short staffed and, um, and to say, okay, now that we have brought on the people that we were, we were down, we had two new people that needed to come on. Um, I took a look at all the different things that you're doing and wow. And so I, I intentionally constructed a list of all the different things. And so about 10 mm-hmm. minutes in, we had, we had um, written out 18 different tasks on a regular basis that this particular faculty member was uh, responsible for. And I said, well, we can uh-huh. just stop here. Like, look at this. It's 18 things. And, and on top of that, you still have to teach. You still have to advise. And so I said, so what I, what I thought about is how best to pull some things off your plate and um, assign them to the new people that have come on board. And, and so here's, here's what my thoughts are. And so I told her what my thoughts were and said, so I'd like to give this one to this person and here's why. And the, re- the response I got was so surprising, which was, why are you punishing me? And uh, I thought that I had done so well in framing it, um, but it just still didn't, didn't go well. Um, and so what, then I read your book and I thought maybe this person, because it was, this person took it really personally, maybe this person is a socialized knower and mm-hmm. I, I took an instrumental approach, right? And, and I was thinking maybe there was another way to do that. I don't, I don't know, but, um, but it just made me think about, so in cases, can these, these uh, strategies and even your framework can be applied, can they be applied in terms of making understanding of situations um, where it's not necessarily feedback, but um, in, in those cases, like I just described, I don't, I don't know if they're real, but having what I like to think of is having difficult conversations mm-hmm. that are that are around work. Um, so, I mean, mm-hmm. I know it kind of changes the title of your book from "Tell Me So I Can Hear You," but you know, you know, tell me, tell me so I can understand. But um, you know, I, mm-hmm. tell me, what, what do you think about you know those situations? Is, is that something that would be that we could apply your framework to? Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that. Um, it is something, you know, what what you know what you just said, Brian, about your intentions were good and and that you were trying to offer feedback in a way that um, could be actionable, could be helpful, could improve practice. And you know, one of the images that we use a lot is remember the old-fashioned radios, um, whether they were in a car or, you know, the kind where you had to move the dial, just get it right on the station in order to have the sound come through clearly, whether it was voices or music. Because if it wasn't quite there, there was so much static that it was hard to hear. Uh, And that's kind of what it, huh? Yeah, sure. No, I'm I'm following. Yes, yes. Yeah. So that's that's sort of what happens, you know, because what that person 
in your care maybe needed was something different. Maybe she needed a different kind of a warm-up, you know, to find maybe, and I'm sure you did this, maybe a couple of things that you genuinely and authentically appreciated about her practice. And then Mm -hmm. to name that, you know, what you're commenting on is really about your, her practice and not about her as a person. You still respect and value her. Um, that distinction, it sounds simple, but it's, uh, it's not. Um, and it's very, very important. The other thing is that, you know, over and over again, um, you know, people in schools, people in businesses, um, and, you know, other scholars like yourself, Brian, talk about the importance of, of giving real feedback and um, McDonald actually and Danielson have actually talked about how, how often teachers live in the land of nice and so do people in businesses. It's really hard to give feedback and yet, um, you know, there's, there's this saying around, especially with, with the world today around performance evaluation when nice won't suffice. And one of the things that has been documented and proven is that um, people really want feedback from their colleagues, and it's really hard to give feedback that is feedback that's going to help people grow. It's not impossible. It's like a muscle. We need to grow it and practice it, you know, and I think that that is what is going to help to bring us to a different place in terms of making feedback part of part of the air we breathe, you know, and so that it doesn't happen just in that one occasion, you know, um, maybe, maybe, maybe that person had never gotten the kind of feedback that you were giving her, you know? Mm-hmm. 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 Yes. And I, I, as I said, it was, it was a surprise uh, to get that, uh, that response because I, I thought I was being very deliberate and caring as you mm-hmm. said uh, to to express uh, a great deal of appreciation, um, you mm-hmm. know, which which takes me to kind of the in our closing minutes. Um, I I wanted to make sure I got to um, another strategy that you point out, and this was at number seven on your list um, was about being consistent. Um, that I just mm-hmm. I, I, again it it just that resonated with me a lot um, about. Mm-hmm how to be consistent uh, with your message. And you even say mm-hmm. important to stay consistent and on message. Um, can you expand mm-hmm. a little bit more for the people in the audience about what you mean about staying on message? Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for asking. Um, so some of the common feedback challenges across the education and business literature have to do with a lack of meaningful feedback and a lack of consistency among evaluators. So some people say to do this, other people say to do that, and then other people say to do this. And so the person who's receiving the feedback doesn't know which thing to do. And when you think about that developmentally, you know, I was talking about adults who have these different ways of knowing, and we actually offer the image of imagine people who are wearing glasses that they keep on all the time. They eat with them, they sleep with them, they drive with them, they shower with them. They're, they're how they look out onto the world and how they take it in. So, so for someone who is a self-authoring knower, 
these are these are adults who can do those things that Stephen Covey, a man who dedicated his life to understanding what is it that makes people highly effective in their workplace, they can do things like own their work, turn toward conflict, take a stand for what they believe in, um, seek win-win. They can get feedback from a bunch of different people, team leaders, supervisors, directors, and inside they can bring all that feedback to their own bench of judgment and they can make sense of it. Not, it's not confusing to them because in the end they can take five steps back. Development is really all about perspective broadening and they can figure out what their own next step is. Mm. But for a socializing knower, someone who is, who's what's most important is seeking and getting the approval of the supervisor, of the team leader, of the principal, of the superintendent, A socializing knower does not have the capacity to say, oh, okay, well, that feedback really doesn't matter. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to follow this feedback. Instead, Mm -hmm. what a socializing knower will try to do is do everything, you know, please everyone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. No, wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, Ellie, we... We are so appreciative of you uh, spending time on the show with us. Um, and so um, I'm sure that uh, listeners out there will um, uh, go and, and look for your book again. Uh, um, Ellie, you want to tell us the title, the full title of the book and the publisher? Mm-hmm. So uh, it's called Tell Me So I Can Hear You a developmental approach to feedback for educators and it's published by Harvard education press and Brian, I just want to say thank you again. And thank you all the listeners for tuning in. Um, and also for the invitation to share on your great show, Brian, thanks so very much. And you're right. It did fly by in, in a couple seconds. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so to the, to the listeners, thanks so much also for tuning in this month. Uh, we're we're uh, happy that uh, Ellie joined us. Um, join us again um, uh, on March the 7th um, at 2 p.m. Um, our guest will be Mr. Thomas Whitby, uh, author and consultant. Uh, he'll discuss how connectedness empowers learning, very similar to the work that we just uh, heard today. So to the listeners... Until next time, go well, stay well.